Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. This is Richard Gearhart and Elizabeth Gearhart on Passage to Profit. Welcome to our show. Passage to Profit is the show on iHeartRadio that speaks to entrepreneurs and those wanting to start their own business. Each show starts with a guest speaker, followed by three entrepreneurs pitching their products. They compete online to see who gets the most votes and wins the contest. So Richard, who are these contestants and how do they get on our show? Elizabeth, I am so glad you asked. Anyone can pitch, but they have to audition with us first in New York City and be a good match for the show. We also ask that they have active social media profiles to post about the show. And it's free. Imagine eight minutes of New York City airtime on a major media outlet free to the entrepreneurs. Paid for by our generous sponsors. Thanks, sponsors. <laughs> I think we're like one of the sponsors. But <laughs> yeah, I would have given a lot for that opportunity when we were starting out. And all it costs is a little social media time. So speaking of social media, I know it has a bad rap these days. There's a lot of nasty things going on. But even so, we think it's a pretty important tool for an entrepreneur starting a business these days. That's right. We use social media for the show, Passage to Profit, and the law firm. And there are many social media tools and you have to find those that are right for you and your business. You need to post frequently and like other people's posts and use images whenever you can. And we've asked social media experts what the best platforms are for different kinds of businesses, and we get different answers. But there is one thing the experts seem to agree on, and that is really once you've picked a platform or two, you have to post regularly, like at least once a week. Repetition is the name of the social media game. And really, social media has been such a boon for entrepreneurs. Ten years ago, 15 years ago, when entrepreneurs were starting out, they really had to rely on other people at large companies to help them promote their products. Now, you can self-promote your product and you have total control of your message and how other people see you and reach you. So it's really enhanced the ability of the entrepreneur to move their project forward. So what are the most popular platforms? We used LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, we keep our website up to date. Ah, the website. Yes, everyone should have one. And Google loves to see new content on a website at least once a week. So who cares why Google likes your website or not? Well, I do. If Google doesn't like our website, we're not going to come up in the search results and we'll be buried on page 53 or something. So when I started doing marketing for the firm, I was like, what in the heck am I going to post on like every week, once per week? And so we have a blog that we try to keep current. I exercise in the morning. I listen to the morning news shows and I try to pick things out of there that I can blog about for the law firm. Like a few years ago, there was a whole Cronut controversy with the trademark. So we did a blog post on that. Uh, we also post about entrepreneurial events that are coming up. And of course, we post the radio show info and we have the voting site on our website. And don't forget about pay-per-click. If you're not familiar with that, it's the items on the right-hand side of your web page and at the top, and people pay advertising fees in order to promote their website. So if you don't have organic search results right away, you can still promote your product using paid search advertising. So speaking of voting, 
after the pitches, you, our listeners, can Google Passage to Profit and find the page on GearHeartLaw.com and vote for your favorite pitch. You can vote for a week, but you only get to vote once. So get your friends to listen and vote. I tell you, we have some voting going on right now for a show that just aired, and these people are knocking it out of the ballpark. Right. I mean, the response has been so fantastic, and it's great for the pitches, and it's great for everyone. If your friends miss the show, they can listen to the podcast to hear how great you did. And if they can't remember the name, just tell them to remember the name by imagining walking down a long passageway with a pot of gold at the end, a big pot of gold, passage to profit. And may your passage be short and your profit be huge. You're listening to Passage to Profit on iHeartRadio, WOR710, New York. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Tonight we have Aaron Price, who has been active in the entrepreneurial scene for many years now. Aaron is the founder of Propellify, built to empower innovations. The Propellify Innovation Festival unites 10,000 innovators with talks, exhibitions, drones, virtual reality, investors, music, and more. Aaron is also a founder of NJ Tech Meetup, New Jersey's largest technical and entrepreneurial community. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me. I don't think the word drones has ever sounded so good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had a lady on the show not too long ago who uh, had some technology around drones, and we actually met her at Propellify, and she became a client. So um, a really awesome experience for her. her. Her goal is to keep unauthorized drones from invading the wrong space, and uh, she's so far she's been pretty successful. So yeah. Good. So Aaron, I have some questions for you. First of all, I did go to Propellify, and it's an awesome experience. It's out on the pier at Hoboken. Weather's been pretty good. You've been lucky the last few times, right? Yeah, um, mostly. Mostly, and it has drone flying contests, and it has food, and it has all sorts of really cool stuff and talks and. It's a pretty amazing event. So it happens in the spring. But before that, you had NJ Tech Meetup. And since we're talking about social media and all the things that an entrepreneur can do to be successful, how did you get so many members in that meetup? Well, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I think it's been in my DNA. So I, I my first business was in high school and, and went on to, to create several others. And so I founded that organization because I found it to be a somewhat lonely, uh, isolating career path. And it turns out that that struck a nerve with a lot of other people. So I originally thought we might have 20, 30 people in a bar just sharing their stories about how, you know, whatever it is that they're working on. And it grew really organically and in, in many of the ways that a lot of startup businesses hope to grow, kind of very clearly up and to the right. 
and uh, a lot through word of mouth, but we leveraged social media a ton, and we, the, the timing was right, which is another important factor in business. And so we continue to put on really, we think, very good quality content, and people keep showing up. Yeah, I think it is really good quality content. Now, where is NJ Tech Meetup? Well, the meetup itself is a representation of almost 7,000 entrepreneurs from around the tri-state area, although there's certainly a concentration in northern New Jersey. Uh, we hold a monthly event uh, generally at Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken, but we've done things in Asbury Park and Princeton. We had an opportunity to speak at the White House. So there's, there's been a variety of other, uh, of other things that have, that have come of it. But generally, if someone listening is interested in really good quality content, uh, uh, generally with a featured speaker, startups and networking, um, Hoboken is, is the best bet of where we'll be next. So the other thing, you bring up the White House. The other thing that's interesting is you kind of have the governor's ear in New Jersey, don't you? Well, it's been nice to have someone at the helm of the state who understands the impact of the innovation economy, the, you know, what startups can do for a community. And we didn't, politics aside, whatever your political views are, the microphone, so to speak, of the governor's office makes a big difference in the state. And so we've been ignored in the tech economy for a long time, and it's nice to have the Governor Murphy behind us. So are you going to rival New York then? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't see it as a competition. I'm glad you brought that up. I see it as what are our strengths in the state? What can we leverage? And what, you know, New York is, you know, we're in New Jersey, many of us to be, you know, for the proximity to New York. But New York has a lot of great strengths. I think we should let New York be great at what it does and, and let New Jersey thrive in other ways. And so I see that as there's a lot of things it can do, but Drones is one. We're in Manhattan now. Drones, you can't fly here, but you can do a lot of that in New Jersey. There's blockchain opportunity. We've got the fastest fiber in the world in Newark, or at least in the country. Um, e-com infrastructure is very strong with a great talent pool. A lot of great healthcare opportunities with the with the medical and healthcare uh, corporations based in New Jersey. So I think there are real ways that we can be great, and New York can be great, and we can hang out. That sounds great. What are some of the newer challenges You know, in the next two or three or four years? Is there anything on the landscape that is going to be especially helpful or challenging? You brought it up a little bit earlier with your points about social media. I think it's becoming a much noisier digital ecosystem. In some of my earlier businesses, I was using Twitter to cut through the noise and get around the inbox, the email inbox, and I would DM. Like I, was, I had a business where we needed to get in front of Home Depot for reasons that aren't worth going into here, but I DM'd them on Twitter in it was early 2000s. And they, someone wrote back right away. We had a conversation and we made a deal. Like it cut through the noise. Now, if I were to, I'm guessing, I haven't done it in a while, but if I were to DM a large corporation, uh, I, I don't expect that I'd get a response like that. And I think in general, the web is seeing those issues. It's harder to break out. It's harder to be discovered. There seems to be an oversaturation in certain industries. So I think that figuring out what your real authentic message is, which I also would suggest including in your social media posting, is going to help people um, be found. I had a very unusual experience with a company that I just love, Zappos. Mm -hmm. I emailed them and asked them if they would sponsor the show. They said no. But they emailed me back a personal email. That never happens that anymore. Never happened. How long did it take them? A day. Only a day. That's pretty yeah. impressive. It Zappos is a customer service company, and they are thriving because they are a customer service company. They truly care about every customer. I think that's important, too. Yeah, agreed. I think caring about every customer, and I think quick response time is another way. Like, there's a lot of easy wins, and that's another one where you can make a good impact. Even in this case, you just gave them a free spot, a free mention, mm -hmm. because they, um, you know, because they, they rejected they, us. Well, because they treated you, they treated you professionally and respectfully, and responded quickly. And yeah, I really appreciate that. I think that's great. And, and if then, they're listening, maybe they'll give me a break on my next pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but if there is so much noise now because of all the social media. Doesn't it make it more important that entrepreneurs 
be able to focus on niche markets. And so really, instead of preaching to everybody, you've got to focus on the consumers and the areas where you feel like you can have the most impact. And then the next stage of growth after that is finding a second universe of customers where you can have impact there. I mean, I think understanding your buyer and not making assumptions about the people who you think your target audience is, is critical. And I think if you're going out thinking, well, everyone should use my product or service, that's a problem right from the get-go, no matter what stage of business you're in. I think being very targeted around who are we speaking to, how are we speaking to them, what is that person's problem, and how do we solve it? It's becoming noisier. You have maybe a second or two to make an impact to get their attention. And if you're not speaking directly to that individual, you're going to lose them to the plethora of other digital distractions right in front of them. I mean, we struggle with this, or we we think about this a lot with um, the show. It's like there's so many content choices for listeners now, and trying to find out where we can provide the most benefit is really important to the way we approach what we're doing here. I'm curious, you know, you guys started with a social media insight, but your expertise is in legal. Yeah. What What was the thinking with that? I don't know that there was well, so, a huge plan so behind it. Is, I mean, we are in legal and patents and intellectual property and everything is important, but we don't want to beat people over the head with that because, quite honestly, if you get into the ins and outs of the, of the legal system, it's pretty boring for most people. And so we want the show to be entertaining. So And we want it to be content that speaks to real people. So we're sharing our insights into what's worked for us. And really, we haven't been as strong on social media as we should have been. But our website has been really important to us and has really helped our business succeed. So we're trying to share things that we think will help other people and make the show interesting at the same time. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, we started the the firm 12 years ago, back when not so many law firms had websites. And being a patent firm, we wanted people to be able to find us. And so if people need intellectual property, you don't go to your next door neighbor and say, do you know any intellectual property lawyers? So we had to find a way to reach our prospective clients. And most of them are tech savvy. So they were comfortable with the uh, internet. And we found people would just contact us. Okay, now it's de rigueur to have uh, a website in our business. If you don't, there's something wrong. But back when we started, it was less common. And we were even discouraged by some people that we would never uh, really be able to build a practice because it was all based on personal relationships and networking, which it is. But you can form a personal relationship with somebody that you meet through an internet or social media contact. And so that's really what our business model is all about. I think you guys have done a good job showcasing here, you know, content being ahead of the curve. We talked about standing out early on the web, early with content. So kudos to you for that. Yeah. Uh, Thank you very much. And at the end of the day, I mean, our purpose and our mission is to help entrepreneurs succeed, because if we can do that, then we'll all succeed. Right. And um, we just thought that this would be a fun way to uh for the general public to learn more about entrepreneurism and, and meet some entrepreneurs who are, after all, real people, right? So Sometimes. there's nothing. <laughs> so I have to tell you a funny or story. Russian that, bots. <laughs> yeah. So iHeart has been really good to us. So they invited us to a launch party that Barbara Cochran had, and we got to meet her. 
And I told her a little bit about the show and just a, like a snippet. And her reaction was, intellectual property? That's pretty dry. What are you going to do? <laughs> By the way, she's hilarious. right. Because <laughs> reading, reading a patent can sometimes be like watching paint dry, right? So it's very- No, it's worse. <laughs> it's, it's, but I could see you guys doing a legal- like a legal smackdown of social media posts where maybe you're talking about how companies are represented by their employees and where the lines are. Like that might be a good marriage of something very relevant and the legal expertise that other that's unique to you perhaps. Yeah, and we did talk about trademarks and branding last time. So we tried, you're right, we try to marry whatever we're speaking about with the intellectual property piece. Great advice. And we'll be back in just a minute. But how can people find you and find out more about what you're doing? They should check out Propelify.com, P-R-O-P-E-L-I-F-Y. Uh, I'm most accessible publicly through uh, Twitter as at AP Startup. And come to the New Jersey Tech Meetup. We host this event every month. NJTechMeetup.com will send them to the right spot. Great. You're listening to WOR, the voice of New York. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R. R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We're at the pitch portion of the show right now, and each contestant will have a total of 10 minutes to make their pitch. Uh, the first three minutes, they'll fly solo, and so for that time, describe their project and put it in the best possible light. The remaining time is for the Inquisition where they'll be challenged by Richard, Elizabeth, and Aaron to describe their product in greater detail and convince the audience their product is the best. At the end of the program, our listeners will be directed to the Passage to Profit page on the Gearheart Law website, where our listeners can vote for the pitch they like the best. So first up tonight is Michael Lauren and David Isero, and they're going to be pitching to us about the head protector. Ready? Go. Hello. I am Michael Isero. I am here with my sister Lauren and my brother David. The three of us will be discussing our company, Heads Up. Heads Up is a sports protective gear company making technologically advanced products for the modern athlete, providing significant improvements and enhancements over the current commercial options. We will be discussing our novel head and facial gear with particular applications in baseball and softball. Did you know that in 2009, there was over 38,000 sports-related facial and head injuries in baseball and softball alone? And of that 38,000, around 18,200 of those injuries came from children 14 years old and younger? The main injuries that were sustained included concussions, skull fractures, facial bone fractures, eye injuries, dental injuries. 
I personally also sustained a significant facial injury from playing baseball, which included nasal bone fractures. From then on, my parents insisted that I wear a face mask at all times when I played baseball. After several years of wearing the mask for fielding and pitching, I was extremely frustrated with the masks I was wearing and told my parents I would not wear the masks anymore. Some of the main issues I experienced was that my hat would fall off whenever I would run. In addition, some face masks were heavy and wearing a face mask wasn't cool. My parents told me I either had to wear the mask, give up the sport, or redesign it. So my brother, my sister, and I redesigned the face mask specifically for fielding and pitching. We tried to address the main problems with the existing masks. I am Lauren Israel, and together we have developed Heads Up. Head and facial protection developed for kids by kids. Heads Up is head and facial protection that youth athletes will want to wear as it features a sleek and modern design. We have filed a patent for a unique split-level protective platform that is comprised of a resilient exterior shell and a flexible cushioned interior separated by the athlete's hat to provide a combined double layer of protection. This dual protection allows the athlete to still wear their team hat. Heads Up has several distinct advantages, the first being that the player can retain their team identity by wearing the team hat, which is an integral part of the baseball and softball uniform and team tradition, as it is visible through our protective gear. At the same time, our technology allows for state-of-the-art protective technology against injury. Furthermore, our device may be worn with or without the face shield, allowing the athlete to customize their gear to their specific needs. Heads Up has specific applications in head and facial protection in baseball, softball, and internationally cricket. Our technology overcomes the major limitations of all current available products in this space, which do not enable the athlete to wear their hat and the mask comfortably and securely at the same time. This technology prevents the hat from falling off when the athlete moves, as well as avoiding the awkward appearance of resting the hat on top of the brim of the mask, which angles the hat upwards. Our technology provides significantly more protective coverage of both the head and face in a single product compared to the competition. Our technology can also be made with advanced, lightweight materials, can be adjusted to be worn with or without the face shield based on the needs of the athlete, and are designed to be aesthetically pleasing and desirable to be worn. I'm David Israel. Sports protection is a multi-billion dollar market, and baseball, softball, and cricket account a great amount of that. 65 million people play baseball worldwide, and all of them wear batting helmets. Few players wear head and facial protection while fielding and pitching. However, the current face cards have significant limitations as we have described. With the help of key players and key opinion leaders, including medical professionals and societies, as well as current and former players who may have been injured who, or who understand the value and importance of protecting athletes, they could provide a strong basis of support for the use of this technology in junior, recreational, and professional leagues. We believe Heads Up is well positioned to take a leading role in this market and be both extremely successful in protecting athletes as well as being financially successful in the largely untapped baseball and softball fielding and pitching markets. Other market opportunities, such as the international market and other sports such as cricket, could provide additional significant market opportunities. One of our main goals would be to target small baseball leagues and have these incorporated into their mandated league requirements. Current face guards cost around $30 to $70. Ours could be priced competitively while still using high-quality materials. There are some competitors in this space. However, their products, in my opinion, are extremely uncomfortable and do not fit well with a hat. We aim to disrupt the market in fielding and pitching head and facial protection gear by providing a better product at a competitive price 
that will overcome the limitations of the current products and will be desirable for players to wear. Heads Up will look great, feel great, and be the ultimate protective gear. Wow. Do you guys watch Shark Tank a lot? <laughs> i got to say, that was an incredible pitch. So I think this is fantastic. I know it's probably really hard to get your nose broken. Is that what happened to you, Michael? Uh, Yeah. I was in practice, and a ball was overthrown, and it just hit my nose, and I broke my nose. Well, don't worry about it. Your nose looks fine, by the way. Oh, so. uh, thank you. <laughs> So welcome to, uh, I mean, we've got some future presidents of the United States, right? In case the listeners haven't noticed, I, I do any of you have your driver's licenses yet? Okay, Laura do. does. Okay, <laughs> but probably not for a long time, right? So, no. First of all, great job overall. You guys are well prepared. You're, you're young, and I'm sure this is very intimidating. I've been in your shoes maybe around the same age, not quite in this environment, but I was extremely nervous, and you guys didn't show it if you were. So very well done just being prepared and professional. There's a real emotional story that happened to you, Michael, right out of the gate. And if you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the ability to be distracted, uh, in particular with this medium, right, where people are just listening to you on the radio, I think you could be very emotional right out of the gate with, when I was X years old or a year ago, I was playing baseball, I broke my nose, and it sucked. And my parents made me wear this horrible face mask that, you know, took away some of my social. It wasn't cool. I couldn't wear my hat and it was uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think people would relate to that like right out of the gate. Keep in mind, like in any meeting you go into from this point forward, anything related to business, your goal, you like think about what's the goal of this meeting? What's the goal of what I'm trying to communicate here? And in this case, uh, it's probably to capture the attention of the listener because you're hoping some business opportunity might come your way. You didn't mention a website. So like give them a call to action. Give them something they could actually do to help you out. On the business itself, there were some things that you guys mentioned that were super helpful and some things I have some questions around. So one is, is there any, do you have any proof points? Is there anything, you may have heard the term traction. So do you have any traction with this business? Like how far along are you? Have you showed it to your, have you surveyed a million people who've said it's cool and they'd wear it? Can you show that it's solved? And, and the, other, the other thing I forgot to mention with the pitch is I'm, I'm a big fan of there's a problem. Here's this horrible problem that's huge. And here's our amazing solution that will fix it. And so I think you mentioned your own personal story. And you say, turns out, there's, I think you said 14,000 injuries like this each year. And that market size is X billions of dollars. So people start to think like, okay, it happened to him. That's relatable. It's happening to lots of people. Oh, there's a lot of money spent on this issue. What's their solution that's going to be very profitable and, and relevant? And so I, I would think about your pitch in that format. So that said, do you have any uh, traction to showcase like, that it's solving some of the, the social piece, the, the cool factor and the, and the discomfort? Well, currently we have a prototype, but the next step would be to engage key opinion leaders in both sports and medical disciplines to promote and support the validity and necessity of our product. So right now you have a prototype, and, yeah. and you've, have you shown it to your friends? Yes. What do they say? I think it looks pretty cool. Has anyone worn it? Is it, is it can you wear it in a, in a sporting environment yet? No, right now it's just for demonstration purposes. So do you think, could you rally 100 or 50 friends to... to get some data-driven input on whether they'd wear it? Could you get someone to actually wear it and give you feedback on, like, this is way cooler than that other one that XYZ makes? Well, all of us have worn it ourselves, and I think that we all appreciate the fact that uh, you can see the logo, uh, which is a really key part of the baseball hat and team identity, uh, as well as keeping the hat on. Uh, and I'm sure that the friends that I've showed it to think that it is it does look very cool, and everyone else that understands the sport of baseball and softball and the importance of the team and the hat uh, will also understand the importance of our product. That's a great answer. I would also encourage you to talk to some friends and get one of them to say something like, I would absolutely wear it. This is way cooler than whatever. To, to, that you, some, some third party that's not you 
where you could just share a quote where I think it would, again, showcase that you've done some market research. Because if you're looking for investment, you want to show that you've actually tested this in some way and show that the, the market cares. Of course. Thank you. But but it was still a, a well-played answer. Well, I can say here that there will be a picture of it on our website when this airs and that people will get to vote on it. So there will be a lot of people that get to see it and a lot of people that don't know them. So we'll see how the public reacts that way. But that's a good point, though. I think, what do you think is the best way to do like a cheap or inexpensive focus group? Like, would you use Facebook? Would you use Twitter? Like if they put a picture up there, what social media platform would you use? First, in your case, I would ask your friends and I would try as best you could not to be biased in the questions and get some real data. It'll be besides your own time, free to, to conduct that research. Beyond that, if you have some budget to spend, you can target, I would use Facebook, you can target very specifically people who, uh, that you could do perhaps a cross-section of people who are a certain age demographic, although in your case, you know, under 13, there's some pretty strong laws around, so you might have a problem there, but you can certainly do teenagers who show that they play certain sports, and maybe also that have liked like medical practices, like some way to indicate that they may have had a sports industry. So you could see, does this resonate? And if you were to do that, I would set up a landing page, which you could do for free or for super cheap with, with sites like Unbounce, or you can make something with, some, with something called Strikingly that I'm a big fan of. And the goal is to prove, does it convert? If Can you show a picture of this product? Can you show a picture of the Heads Up product with some problem statement? Get people to click through and say like they want to learn more or, or even pre-order the thing. Because the goal is ultimately in that case to show like, you know, this much traffic was driven and we converted X percent that showed interest. I'm really curious of your own individual intentions and goals with this. Like, did this start as, was this a school assignment and then there's maybe a business here, you think it's kind of fun to pitch it? Or do you, like, the three of you really want to team up? Like, I'm really curious to know what you what your dream scenario would be with Heads Up. I have really big dreams. I, I could hope if we could sell a million, we'd be great. But I think this is a very big problem that needs to be solved, definitely in my opinion. I think that the best possible thing was if we would wake up one day and Little League, like baseball players, would be able to wear our technology because I think that it is not only the most protective on the market, but it is best for the players themselves where they can retain their team identity. They can feel like they're part of the team while also protecting their head and face from extremely dangerous injuries. Thank you, uh, Michael, uh, Lauren, and David for pitching your product to us. You're listening to WOR 710 AM, the voice of New York. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our second pitch contestant is named Nero, and she has a long last name. It starts with an M. She told me I didn't have to say it. She can say it herself because I don't want to mess it up. Her company is Mobile Arc. So take it away, Nero. I'm Nero Malavarpu, founder of Mobile Arc. 
We provide a fundraising and communication platform for school PTAs and a nifty app for parents to get their school right at their fingertips. Thank you for having me here, Elizabeth. Oh, it's great to have you here, Nira. I've known you for years and you've really been building this and I'm amazed at the traction you've gotten. Yes, we are very happy. We actually started in 2013 and in the very first year we got 24,000 users and, you know, Schools all across the Northeast and uh, Texas and other places using our software. So we got a great boost in the very first year. Um, it was a very novel concept because parents were struggling with this problem of how do you stay on top of everything that goes on in your school. So the way it happened was I'm a mother of two boys and I've, it was always a challenge for me to get in touch with the school community and stay on top of all of the events in and out of school. And as you can see, the Stattered Printed School Directory, <laughs> which I never used, was a great resource. But short of tying it around my neck, I could <laughs> never find this book when I needed it the most. And then I'm a technologist and I was building websites for all in corporate. And I was like, why don't, why doesn't my PTA have a good website? And I built a collaboration website that let parents collaborate with each other, ask questions, you know ask other class moms a question, even in the middle of the night. And then it, it became so popular. Then we uh, found out that the PTA has many more needs than that, much bigger. They, had, they needed fundraising. They needed to build a directory. And producing this directory was done in the most non-technological possible way. They were <laughs> manually typing it into a word. Uh, and photocopiers. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and 20 more time, collated copies, please. <laughs> and by the time the directory came out, it was almost like uh, like the next year, the next school year. So it, it didn't serve any purpose many times. It came out late November sometimes or even the next year. So we solved this whole problem with, with our uh, mobile app that will give you not just the directory, but also as a parent, you can look up, you get notifications, you can get... Uh, you know, all of your school events. Uh, you can pay for all the fundraisers. So PTAs have raised over a million dollars as we speak uh, in fundraising. Uh, basically, they've raised money for their schools. And we have an entire e-commerce platform now for PTAs to sell anything wow. from spiritwear, tickets, uh, you know, they have all kinds of galas, whatever it is, you know, something. No, some some of the schools even sell uh, school lunches on our uh, platform. <laughs> you mean so for every day or? For every day. Basically, wow. the way they do it is they package it for 90 lunches for the whole, like, for, for a term. And they... And they've successfully done it. And they've done it so successfully. Now that same uh, school district, they're extending it to their educational foundations. So we are setting up more sites within. So this can be used literally by any nonprofit, any kind of association in the for anything, whether it is a breast cancer awareness <laughs> association or, uh, you know, a school district. Right now we are in school districts. So, uh, Nairu, one of the challenges, I think, with your project is you've got great technology but you've got to convince the school board or the school administration yes. to adopt it, right? So what are some of the strategies that you've used to get this product into schools, which is yes. obviously a government institution as opposed to just a regular consumer? So, you know, our strategy right from the beginning was to go to parents and PTAs. PTAs and PTOs are literally the backbone of most public schools. 
and they are the kind of the liaison between the uh, board of ed and the school so let's say in our school district we were running out of space in our school and they, they built an extension because of the PTA the PTA fought for it and they donated some money to it and they got the board of ed to approve that project you know which was several million to build that extension so the PTA acts as an advocate for all the parents and they are the best people to approach for any kind of you know PTA PTO HSA whatever you call it they want their children to do better and they are the ones who do the after school programs who do the enrichment the assemblies and so they were the best people to so our strategy from day one is to bypass the board of ed and all the bureaucratic you know all those kind of uh, people and just go directly to passionate parents who want change in their schools that's how we got 24 schools and i can't say it's completely easy believe me no business is easy you have to work hard for it i call probably thousands of uh, ptas every if you ask any pta in new jersey they know me <laughs> they know that i think you've been to a lot of pta meetings <laughs> and, and right now i'm constrained on time because i'm running to a delaware pta meeting so i work very hard to build relationships uh, with with you know pta and the nice thing with pta there are different kinds of organizations by the way pta is affi- affiliated with the state level pta and the national pta and so they are great for because you know they can if i'm right now i'm working on some state level pta partnerships so then i will be serving the entire state mm. so that is great but at the same time a lot of organizations have realized they don't want to pay that fees to the national pta so they've become ptos they are their own entities 501 3b or 50c 3b it's called yeah and um I don't know there's they, no lawyers here. <laughs> you know, Lyra, I just want to say 503C. I just want to say a couple of comments. Yeah. One is that as a busy parent, your app really makes it a lot easier. But two, as far as like you actually went and found the right decision makers. I remember yeah. when we were in Atlanta, I p- practically lived in my kids' schools. I was on the PTA board, all this other stuff. And I heard, and the principal grumbled to me once, wow, it's the parents who run this school. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. The PTA, you know, there are third, maybe 10% of the parents who are really, you know, huge advocates and they're doing so much for their children, for everyone in the school. And I recognize that as a working parent, right? I I really was very blessed to have been in a school district where there were really active parents who took my kids on the scouts and all the trips and you know the assemb- I could not volunteer as much because you know I was a working parent. That's great. So, so I have some questions. Sure. Yeah. Who is the customer? The customer is the school district or the PTO. So there sometimes is the PTA council which is like for all the PTAs in the district or the PTOs whatever but we also directly talk to we have a lot of direct PTO customers and they pay for the entire school for all the parents and what is the cost right now it costs anywhere between 600 to 1000 to 15 the different packages depending on the number of families in the school i only have one last question like where was this when my kids were in school <laughs> seriously <laughs> but thank you niru and Mobile Arc, do you have a website? Yes, you have to go to m o b i l e a r q.com. That okay. ends in a q and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and you know I'm uh, just connect uh, with us on all these platforms the same name Mobile Arc m o b i l e a r q. Anyone with kids out there, you want this for your schools and if it's only men listening tonight, which I hope not, 
your wives want it. So, <laughs> so uh, thank you very much. Are you Nero? suggesting that I am in- not involved? In <laughs> no, there are PTA dads too. You know, there are it's about ten percent So you're listening to WOR seven ten Passage to Profit. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business, contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At GearHeart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at GearHeart Law, www.GearHeartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearheart. We are at our final pitch, last but certainly not least, Mark Lassoff with Framework TV. Take it away. Thanks for having me on. So the problem space that we work in is the idea of underemployment. At any given time, up to 30% of people are unemployed or underemployed. And the biggest um, issue they have with advancing is training. So formal training options like going back to school, formal training options like going to a tech boot camp are often out of reach for most people with a family and kids and actual lives. It's hard to put aside your lives for eight to 14 weeks to get the training that you need. So we've been in the online course business for the past several years and we see an opportunity. Right now, education is moving online. There's a huge number of online schools, online programs, and online training. And the other thing that's happening is TV is moving from a broadcast perspective to a narrowcast perspective. And what that means is that very small audiences with a similar affinity can have programming made just for them. So if you add all that together, Framework Television stands as a technical training, digital television network that helps people learn skills like coding, web development, and graphic design streaming through their television on devices like a Roku, Amazon Fire TV, or any of the streaming devices that you see on the shelf at Best Buy or now come integrated into the television. So on a typical day, they might have programming about creating a website or specific programming about a programming language like Python or HTML. This weekend we did some programming on Ruby. And the idea is to provide people with digital skills that they can acquire at their own pace for free on their television. Wow. Our television is on all the time. That's very cool. Are you learning to code from your television? Not yet, but Richard threatened me that he's putting it on tonight. Yeah, I was, uh, you think you're watching Mork and Mindy, but in fact, you're learning how to code. So. <laughs> but if you look at if, if you leave. <laughs> how old are you? I, I'm, I don't get the Mork, Mork and Mindy reference. <laughs> yes, never you heard of it. Show <laughs> but if you look at the typical channel listings now on a streaming device, you see very, very narrow channels that are actually doing well because they're tailored for a very specific audience. 
So our very specific audience is, first of all, not millennials, but the underemployed person in their 30s who's desperately trying to get these digital skills that are so necessary in the workplace today. And I should be clear, we're not trying to make you know programmers who are creating robots and AI. We're trying to create people who are digitally literate, can maintain their company's website, can create a simple mobile app, and we're scaling them up in a place that's convenient and in a way that they can afford and they can do on their schedule between soccer practice and PTA meetings. So, Mark, I've got some questions. Sure. You, because it, it, so, a very interesting idea. It sounds like really the, the pain point that you're solving is we're developing content that streams through the television versus on a mobile device or a laptop, for instance, right? We're, that's at, the differentiator here. That's, that is a differentiator. Um, we're actually part of what's called the TV Everywhere movement, where now you can watch TV on your mobile device. You can watch TV on your TV, on a computer monitor. I assume you could get this content elsewhere, but you did, at least in the pitch, spend a significant amount of time talking about you could get it on a Roku and Absolutely. Uh, you know, Chromecast, I'm assuming, elsewhere, right? Absolutely. So what I didn't hear was who's creating the content, uh, why is it as good as, if not better, than what else is out there? Because there's a decent amount of you know content yep. to teach people these sorts of skills. And then if, if, assuming those things get checked off, um, why is this distribution mechanism the best one to capture the market? I'm so glad you asked. We actually have a heritage in this business. This is an entrepreneurial venture where we're launching a new company out of a company that exists. The current company, LearnToProgram.tv, has enrolled over one million students in online training, teaching them the same skills we're teaching on TV. What we're doing is looking at where the proverbial hockey puck is going. Eyeballs are coming onto streaming devices, and we want to be there first with content that is educational and entertaining. We produce the content ourselves because that's really our core expertise is creating video content that helps people learn these digital skills. So I'm really glad you brought that up because one of the things I criticized the Heads Up team for was being too prepared, too book report-ish. Being professional and being prepared to me are two of the critical components to, to a good pitch. My feedback's around like, how can you really grab someone with this concept quickly and make it relatable? I'm still struggling to hear the differentiator, though. Could you share the the content creation part a little bit more? Sure. We create targeted content that's designed for true beginners, and most people don't. Most people create content that assumes a lot of prior knowledge, a lot of industry knowledge and jargon. So first of all, we're really targeted for people who are rote beginners, and we've been successful in creating content that people with no prior experience in the digital world relate to and do well with. So is that one of the reasons you're going direct to television, that you think that that's where you'll touch people who may not be as digitally literate? There's a demographic match between the people who are watching television using streaming devices and the core audience that we're going for. So we think it's almost a no-brainer to say, if this is where the eyeballs are, this is where we need to be. To, to borrow from Gary Vaynerchuk, it's a, an attention economy. So we know where the eyeballs are, and I, I think it's uh, only reasonable for us to move in that direction because the web, as we've mentioned over and over again in different ways, is becoming very crowded. Social media, it's hard to get your message out. Here is an opportunity for us to get our message out that gives us a first mover's advantage, and I would say secondarily, is has a much higher barrier to entry that we can get into that our competitors can't. So let me ask, have you done any test marketing? Um, what does the research show to this point that proves out uh, this very interesting concept? This is not a lean startup. This is a big fat startup. Um, there is, I don't know how we would research whether or not people will watch this on 
these streaming devices, except for our previous history, having channels on Roku and Amazon Fire and Apple TV, which did get pretty high adoption rates. Um, we've asked our audience, you know, whether or not they want to see our content in these places. But really, this is a way for us to acquire new audiences and acquire people who weren't in our ecosystem before. One of the hardest things I think to do today is break out of the social media bubble of your friends and their friends' friends and really get to multiples of uh, people who don't know about you and what you do. So you're taking a flyer, basically. Is that is that what you're saying? I mean, you, you think it's a good idea. This is the trends. Um, and we're going to put it out there and see what happens. Absolutely. I'm curious if someone listening thinks, oh, I've got an idea for for an app for a television or, or show. How does someone start a, a, a new TV show through that distribution channel? Yeah, if someone wanted to start and get their show on Roku, the first thing they would do is actually go to a Roku developer who could produce the actual technology. And once their channel is approved by Roku, then, you know, they can be on there with us and, and everyone else who's, who's trying it. There is a bit of barrier to entry because that is a technological process to build the channel. But it is a lot more accessible than getting on to, for example, a major market New York radio station. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, well, Mark. <laughs> well, you, you've been listening to Mark Lassoff with Framework TV and... I have a feeling we're going to be watching that very soon in our household. It, it, it does actually sound really cool to me, and it sounds like something I want. So thanks a lot, Mark. It's FrameworkTV.com, and you're listening to WOR 710, Passage to Profit. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. It's Passage to Profit. With Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt and Aaron Price this evening, uh, we had some great pitches. Yeah, I'm really glad everybody came. And Aaron, you really dug into them. But you know what? This is what people need to know if they're going to go out and try to pitch their product. Like, what do people really want to know? Right. I think if you're not listening to Aaron or other guests like them, and you're not asking yourself these questions, then you're going to have a tough road ahead because this is really a very practical way to look at projects and very practical way to assess your opportunity and your business. And I think everybody has to do that reflection if they ever hope to be successful as an entrepreneur. Yeah, just to clarify a little bit, if you're an entrepreneur and you're working on a new idea, there's a good chance you're asking your friends, family, and maybe strangers about the concept. It's your job to decipher what advice to listen to. And most of the advice will be bad. There's a good chance most of the advice I gave today was bad. It's, it's there. Um, well, it sounded pretty good to us. But. Uh, hopefully not. But, but they should be under the assumption that it, it, this is a real problem, I think, in entrepreneurship. People start asking, especially with friends and family who are sort of predisposed to think you're probably not right. Or you're either that like it's a kind of a silly idea or it's an amazing idea. 
But I think it's extremely important to talk to lots and lots of people, and ultimately, like you have to decide the path you want to take, and, and take you know filter the input appropriately. And, and if people aren't telling you that's an, a crazy idea to, up to some point, it might not be good enough or big enough. And it, and then there's another point where enough people tell you that's a crazy idea that maybe they're right. To really make it as an entrepreneur, you have to believe in yourself, I think, and you really have to have a passion for what you're doing. There, there's an expression, uh, "jump and the net will appear." <laughs> Which I do not, I do not agree with. I think it's jump and you build the net on the way down, yeah. and that's what yeah. entrepreneurship is. I think part of it too, though, is identifying points of leverage. So there's something intuitive in the the, the, the life of the entrepreneur where somehow, some way, they can see the next step up, and how they can put in a little bit of effort and get great value from it. And it's it's seeing those situations that allow you to build something from a starting point. The whole tech industry is built around this idea of leverage. You, you make one program and hopefully a lot of people like it. And so you get a huge economy of scale from what you've created. But there's other types of businesses too, or where that whole idea of leverage, you know, meeting for an attorney, it might be meeting somebody that's a great referral source. Right. So that's identifying that leverage. And so I think that's a key aspect to being a strong entrepreneur is understanding and identifying those things. That's one of the reasons I asked um, the heads up group about what kind of business they wanted to build. I think knowing to your point, like technology, the goal is to scale with a product like that. What's the goal? How do they finance that business if their goal is to sell a thousand and pay for college versus to sell a million and do something much bigger? I think they have some pretty powerful backers <laughs> in their parents. Yeah. So Mom that always helps a lot. Aaron, thanks. You were great. To summarize, we had Michael, Lauren, and David Isero with the head protector. Next, Niru, who pitched Mobile Arc. And finally, Mark Lassoff pitched Framework TV. Now, Google Passage to Profit and make your choice. Remember, you can only vote once, and you have until next Sunday at 7 p.m. to vote. Uh, this evening's pitch contestants will receive a Passage to Profit t-shirt. And best overall vote getter for the month will receive an Amazon gift card. I would like to thank everyone who participated. I love hearing the pitches each week. And I really felt like Aaron gave some really valuable feedback to these pitch people. Now, everybody has to vote who's listening. And hopefully a lot of other people will come on and vote too. I don't think I could pick a favorite. I was really impressed. And I think they show human ingenuity at its best. And that is what I love about being in the entrepreneurial space. I couldn't agree more, Elizabeth. The pitches were wonderful. Our guest was wonderful. And we'd like to thank our producer, Noah Fleischman, Kenya Gibson, the Media Maven, and the whole iHeart team. So don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitches. You never know what you're going to get on this show. And you can start thinking about what your pitch will be. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart with Passage to Profit. 